Hey there, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener. Welcome to Lucky Episode 13 of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Wow. <laughs> 13. Are we sure we want to do this one? Oh, no. <laughs> Did we? <laughs> Apollo 13 got back okay, right? So we should be all right. Let's just do it like they do in casino hotels and just not have a number 13. Can we do that? Just skip that over? Yeah, the, like there's no 13th floor. So let's just do this. But I'm thing. afraid we're going to confuse people who subscribe. Well, they'll feel the missed one, you know? It could be the missed episode. The lost episode. Nice. Yeah, the lost episode. <laughs> you can have that later. <laughs> <laughs> I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo, of course. Hey, everybody. So before we kick off this episode, I get to do my favorite part of the show, which is read some fourth listener email. Yay, fourth listener. Woohoo! Mike writes in and says, I love the podcast about long road trip games. That was just last week. Mm-hmm. My grandparents would take us to those intricate roadside attractions when my sister and I were kids. We'd go to Citrus Tower, Bach Tower Garden, Spook Hill, all these things. These are Central Florida attractions. Sometimes we'd go to the Stuckies or another store that was basically a tourist trap. Yeah. Did you guys ever go to roadside attractions as kids? How about you, George? Absolutely. Uh, what's the one with the alligators on the way to Orlando? Gatorland? Gatorland, yeah. Yeah, we used to go to that It's one. almost an amusement park, but yeah, it's a roadside attraction, sure. It has the big concrete alligator mouth you can walk exactly. into. Exactly. I think Stuckies kind of qualifies as a roadside attraction when you're a child. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. I don't know how we forgot to talk about Stuckies during our podcast when we were talking about buying all that stuff at gas stations and everything, because there were two gas stations in the South that you bought things at on a road trip, Stuckies and Swanee Swifty. (laughs) Sure. I did the Florida ones, but we're from Florida, so we didn't so many of those tourist traps, but I know there was like Rock City and Ruby Falls that's up kind of in the Southeast. You're driving up through the... Yeah, up in there. You know, all those little uh, red and black barns that had Sea Rock City on the side. And I think maybe in all my years, I stopped there once or twice. But you sure remember him. How about you, Mo? No, not so much. My dad, when he was on these road trips, man, he was like getting to the zone and just not want to stop for anything. Uh, (laughs) He was focused. (laughs) So he would just keep going. But the one that does stick out is uh, south of the border. Yeah, the guy with the little sombrero and the poncho. Yep. I mean, let me tell you, those 20,000 signs they had beforehand. It worked. Kind of kept you going. Well, the cool thing about that is, Mo, if your dad wouldn't stop, at least you could enjoy the signs. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there was entertainment value oh, look, there. We just passed something that looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Oh, well, I got to keep driving. Still driving. You're yep. distracting <laughs> me. Shut up. Cool. Well, Mike, hey, thanks for writing in. We yeah, always absolutely. love hearing from our fourth listener and responding to your emails. Keep them coming and we'll keep responding. Impossible. The Hall of Justice under attack. Batman behind bars. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Hall of Justice playset. Some assembly required. Vehicles and figures sold separately. I know we've been watching some new shows this week or old shows or new episodes of shows coming up. Well, Star Trek Discovery a couple weeks ago, it spooled up its... I'm not... Second season, the second half of first season, I guess. They took a little hiatus around the holidays. Yeah, that yeah. winter break that a lot of shows do now. And I know that spoilers are super sacred for a lot of people and not everyone's caught up. I was really excited by, I think it's the second or third episode of the second half of Discovery. And I'm not going to talk about specifics. There was a twist in the story that actually was not telegraphed, wasn't obvious. I hadn't read all these fan theories. I didn't see it coming. It made everything that's happened so far, it changed the lens and went, oh, it just came into focus. And here's the question that I have that I can't figure out. Are the writers for Discovery actually so smart that they laid out these more obvious twists to throw me off the scent? Or are they so dumb that this is just the first one that they didn't accidentally telegraph? (laughs) I'm not sure how much credit I should give them. Well, we'll find out. I guess it depends on what your opinion is of the series so far. I like a lot of the 
stuff in the series so far, so I'm going to give them credit. Okay. John, I mean, I'm caught up. Again, not giving you any spoilers here. I agree. It's like once I saw that twist, I was like, huh. And it made me kind of think back on everything else, which I think is cool. And of all the other surprises or twists you want to say, the reveal for this one was it was like one of those, like it took 45 seconds. It was like a Kaiser Soze kind of slow burn reveal. It wasn't like guy's face on a screen. It was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they flash back and show some previous scenes. And all of a sudden it starts to click with like a sixth sense or a yeah. or usual suspects kind of way. And you're like, is it? Shape no, that's not what they're doing. <laughs> oh, my God, it is. It was really gratifying to go. This show, I think, might even be smarter than I thought it, I'd given it credit for. Let me say that if you're one of these like Trek purists or whatever that just totally hate this show, skip past this part. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Well, first of all, if you're a Trek purist and you hate the show, I don't know that I'm going to consider you a Trek purist. Honestly. Anything that is Star Trek, you should be able to find something in it that you can enjoy. I don't care whether it's classic, anime, the alternate reality films. It's all Trek. So why would you hate anything that has been created of a beloved property that you enjoy? At least find something in it. But it's not consistent. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, they didn't have these drives in the regular Star Trek origin story. and blah, blah, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The only thing that I was a bit worried about, and still am, is their placement in the timing. They didn't need to do this as a prequel. This could have easily been after Next mm-hmm. Gen or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. I, yeah, like, no, I think right. they made a poor choice on the time zone. See, I disagree because you know how you give them credit with the writing? I'm hoping, and maybe this is a false hope, that was a very purposeful decision. That maybe it's going to all come into focus later? Yeah, maybe. That's, that's my I hope. I was talking to one of my friends, a fan of the show, very big sci-fi fan whose opinion I respect, and he is polar opposite for me. He can't find almost anything to like in the show. Wow. I look forward to each episode, and he sees each new episode almost as a task he must get through yeah. so that he can talk about it. Why would you do that then? I mean, in my opinion, if, if it's that bad for you, I mean, geez. Don't watch it. You know, watch something else, you know? I mean, look. They're reviving interest in a series and in a property that we all love. So if they get interest out there and other people start becoming a part of Star Trek fandom, because that's what happened with Next Gen. If you remember Mm -hmm. the first season of Next Gen, people were killing that in the criticism. People hated that thing at the beginning because it wasn't classic. Admittedly, that first season was not strong. It was (laughs) not strong. It got better, though. It did get a lot better. And that's my point. I mean, you get through the growing pains and the feeling out process and everything, and then you ended up with a seven-season gem, in my opinion. I think Next Gen was one of my favorites. If you had listened to the people who were like the person that you're talking about, John, and they had just said, oh, Mm -hmm. everybody hates it, let's cancel it. You would have never gotten Inner Light. You would have never gotten Tapestry. You would have never gotten Best of Both Worlds. You wouldn't have gotten Deep Space Nine. You wouldn't have gotten Voyager. Well, okay, maybe we could have done without Voyager, but that's okay. (laughs) Before you release your Venom on it, try and see a bigger picture. It might not be what tickles your fancy right now, but it doesn't mean it can't grow into something more beautiful later. It falls into that whole thing like without the last star wars movie and stuff it challenged or changed some tropes that were out there and that just like and i'm like look if you want the same movie redone over and over again just go watch the same movie yeah don't remake it just watch that same movie again so i'm getting more and more into discovery especially after this new uh, revelation looking forward to seeing how it goes from here yeah absolutely uh george you've got something that you started watching tell us about it I, I did, actually. So I found a new series. I believe it's part of the Stars Network. It's called Counterpart, and it stars J.K. Simmons. 
counterpart is this new series. It delves into the alternate dimension genre. There is our Earth, and sometime during World War II, some scientists in Germany discovered a path to an alternate Earth. Damn Germans. But up until the point of opening that portal and that path, all the Earths were completely aligned in every decision and every outcome. They were exactly the same. The Earths don't diverge until World War II. Our Earth, it's very bleak. There's this secretive organization that kind of controls the flow between the two Earths, and nobody knows that this is going on outside of these government organizations. It's very hush-hush. So does it take place like in what we would consider our Earth, or does it take place in one of these alternate ones? I'm going to call it Earth-1 for their purposes. You know, Kind of like what you do in the comic mm-hmm. book world. There's Earth-1, there's Earth-27, that kind of yeah. thing. It's slightly different from ours. It feels darker. The interesting thing is J.K. Simmons, the Earth-1 J.K. Simmons character, he is not a very important person. He works for this organization, but he's kind of a mid-level guy. And all he gets to do is he walks in this room, open this door. A person from the other alternate place walks in the door opposite them, and they're kind of in these cubicles that have a prison wall glass kind of setup thing. So they can't contact each other physically? Yeah, they can't contact each other physically. And they also have specific sheets of paper that they have to read that are like code phrases and stuff. All they're doing is checking off on these sheets, the different phrases that they're saying and having said to them, then they leave. (laughs) It's like a 30 second interaction. His counterpart, hence the title of the show, Uh actually (laughs) steps through the portal. He's in their physical world and he is kind of more evil. It's really pushing all my buttons for drama and mystery and science fiction. It's really hitting all the different parts that I like. Right now, I've only seen one episode. Episode two is due out shortly. Oh, so it's not a binge thing. It's actually being released episode by episode. Episodically, okay. yeah. All right. Okay. It wasn't on my radar, but... Um, uh, now it will be. So, Mo, you picked up something onto your radar that uh, isn't necessarily new, but new to you, right? Yeah. And uh, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure how I exactly I found it. Did you guys ever hear a show called Powered? I remember Powerless. Um, no, no, Powered. This came back like 2005. This is like the PlayStation Network something, right? Superhero deal? Yeah. I ran across it somewhere and it's like, oh, you know, in the world of superheroes and basically they're like celebrities. I said, oh, it sounds interesting. After watching the first couple episodes, I was like, PlayStation Network? What the hell is that? <laughs> oh! <laughs> How did that happen? Is this the one where like the superheroes, like people try and get powers from the superheroes by sleeping with them and things like that? Um, I think there was some of that but it was a very it was a comic book based on a comic book okay and it was uh they only did two seasons of it i mean it was interesting i mean it kept my attention the thing it was kind of different was like it was more like if our reality actually had superheroes how would it change things kind of vibe to it how do they make money well they endorse stuff <laughs> yeah, I think I remember this now. Yeah. I think I saw the pilot of this and didn't go on. Like the lead detective used to be a superhero but lost yeah, his powers, right? right? Yes, that's, that's it, the one. Right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And he was the guy who was in District 9. And the thing was, it was pretty brutal. I mean, like you see people getting dismembered and all sorts of cool stuff. All right, PlayStation Network. Yeah, <laughs> really. And then from that, though, I went back. I said, okay, I got to find the comic books. And I found the co- original comic books it was based on. And I'm kind of reading through those and... They're, of course, like way better than the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And I, for an old show, if you want to binge something that's a couple seasons, I think it's total 20 episodes. Hmm. I think it's not a bad choice. Okay. In a lot of cases, we're kind of superhero overloaded. Yeah. That sounds like it's a little different take on it. It's a little less superhero-y and a little more gritty, more detective-y almost. Isn't yeah, it? a little I mean, more reality-based. It's making them like that they are people, mm-hmm. which is that by itself changes. Like they're not all noble. And... They're just superpowers. So you watch the entire series now? Yep, I, I finished it. So after watching the whole series, 
series, you would still recommend that worth your time, maybe? Yeah, I thought it was worth my time. Okay, well, there's some new things to check out. There you go. There's a place called Moody Hollow where the Firstkins live, and now they've come to Wendy's for you to give. That's right, Firstkins have come to Wendy's. In this section of the show, I know we like to talk about tech toys and toys in general and gadgets and gizmos we've been playing with. Also, software that we've been playing with. George, you have one that fits kind of right into your love of comic books I've heard about, right? Yeah, I have been on the hunt for a proper comic book database. Anybody who collects any amount of comic books, you know eventually you need a way to track what books you have, what condition they're in, what their value might be, those kinds of things. Yeah, so when you're looking to fill in gaps or you're looking to find a better version out there to replace an old ragged one. When I started back in 82, I guess, you know, it was all on paper. That's how you, you know, you would keep like your little sheets of paper in a notebook and, okay, this page is for Teen Titans and this page is for X-Men and this page is for so-and-so. And And that's on the shelf right next to your Dungeons and Dragons character seats? Exactly. (laughs) You put like little blank squares next to the volume number or the issue number and you would check it off when you got it. You bet. As we've progressed and computers have grown and... (laughs) They've gotten a little better since those days. (laughs) They've gotten a little bit better since the early 80s, obviously. Ooh, we've got internet on computers now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There are two main types of comic book database genres. There are the online versions, which they house the database on their web servers and you just log in through a web page. And there's plenty of those out there. And some of Mm -hmm. them are free and some of them are rather expensive monthly fees. And they have varying tools that are available inside the database. Things that this one has better cover art. This one has more issues because not all of them are really up to date or good on keeping up the issue numbers. Some of them don't even have whole series in them. Mm. Hit or miss with that. Are you saying that they're actually like preloaded with existing comic books? And you're kind of just checking the ones you have? Yeah, they have to be so that when you buy a comic book, it needs to already be in the database so that you can say, I now own this. Got it. Otherwise, you'd manually have to fill in each issue. You know, right, who right. drew it, who inked it, who, who colored exactly. it. Exactly. The idea is you say, I got Spider-Man number 5 million and you know all the data about it, right? Exactly. Just like uh, what we use with Cody when it scrapes the stuff out there to get episode sure, information, or movie information, yeah. that same sort of thing. Just another media scraper. The other type is something that you would have loaded on your PC. You would buy a database, download it. It would get updates fairly regularly so that it would add new issues and new features and functionality and whatnot to it. What I've found is kind of, it's a platform that seems to be a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. It's called CLZ Comic Book Database. And they don't make just comic book databases. They make one for DVDs and movies. They make some for music. Oh, for any kind of collectible then, really. Yeah. The thing that I like the most about them is, number one, they're affordable, which is not always the case. The free ones, you get what you pay for, which is nothing, so you get almost nothing a lot of times. (laughs) The ones that cost a lot, they have a lot of features, but they want to charge you per month, and there's different tiers and levels that you can subscribe to that give you more and more features. And it's just kind of a pain in the butt, especially with how much that goes for. With CLZ, there are several different levels, amounts of software and stuff that you can buy. It's more of a maintenance fee that you pay once per year. So you get all the updates for that year. It has integration between desktop and my cell phone. They have an iOS and an Android app. Yeah, that's critical. You access to all that stuff when you're in the store. When I hit the update on my desktop database, it updates my phone automatically or vice versa. So you found this, how long you've been using it now? Have you got all of your things indexed? I do have everything indexed except for the latest round of books that I just bought a week ago. Okay. It has a couple of other features that I like. For instance, uh, any comic book that has a barcode on it, 
You can hold up your phone's camera and scan the barcode. It pops it right in automatically. That's handy. That's very handy. So does it keep the database up to date? No, it keeps the database up to date. Then there's a small maintenance fee that you pay once per year. Uh, Okay, cool. As we're recording this, we just released a new video about our podcast and how John produces that podcast. So he has a really easy time putting this podcast together, but he felt like he needed to toot his own horn a little bit. I know, it's like... He was like, oh, it's so hard. We're like, come oh, on, dude. yeah. Ugh. So, <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of people writing in, actually. And, and periodically, the fourth listener will say, hey, you know, the, the podcast sounds really nice, or they compliment us on the production, or you guys are really on top of keeping your topics moving. And I'm like, you know, some of that is smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of production that goes on in the back end. And George, exactly as you mentioned, uh, we just uh, last Saturday put out a new episode. And uh, this episode talks all about our podcast production. And it follows the life of a podcast. Podcast from conception to writing to recording to audio sweetening to editing to posting to the day that it goes live. I really enjoy putting that video together just because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the back end. And I think it's really interesting from my standpoint to be able to share all that stuff. I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised at how little you have to do to make me sound good because I'm so great. In all honesty, Mo and I have seen you do your work and we see how enthusiastic you are about the production value and everything. We know that that's in your background, but you have a real love and desire to to do that work. I do, yeah. And I personally was fascinated by all the stuff you do with that. We're still kind of learning these processes as we go. Yeah. So we're learning from you. You're learning from your own experiences. We're all asking experts in YouTube and the podcast world occasionally when we get to talk to them. So it's neat to see all that come together behind the scenes. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. And, uh, you know, I mean, we are far from professionals and we're uh, far from the right way, the best way to do it. But we certainly, as you said, we have learned through experience and study and repetition. And since we get so many questions asking about, hey, how do you guys do that? I wanted to share it. Hey, listener, if you have any interest in knowing what happens before this podcast gets into your ears, you can head over to our YouTube channel and look in the backstage list and you can see the making of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. Before we hop out of the tech toy section, George, I know you had one quick request for our listeners, right? You've heard that I enjoy drones and building drones and flying drones and recording drones and drones. Drones! So I have a new project where I'm trying to build a racing drone based on a video that I saw from another drone channel. The one piece of tech that I forgot that I would need is a real good, solid, professional soldering station. I have a couple of soldering irons, but they're the cheap little $15 Mm -hmm. Walmart Radio Shack kind of soldering irons. They're not what I want to build this drone with because I want to build it right and there's a lot of soldering involved. I'm going to have to be soldering on circuit boards, connecting wires and things. You have those ones you plug in and they warm up in one to five hours? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but they can melt like anything. (laughs) Except the solder. Except the solder. (laughs) You know, and also the ones that have the heat guns that come with them. Maybe that, if you guys out there could recommend one that has that sort of thing on it. And possibly also one of the um, really nice forehands, Mm -hmm. the little mechanical clips that hold. Yeah, the the component holders. Yeah. Yeah. 8-bit guy has a really interesting one that you know has some bendy things and i've seen some other guys use them retro man cave has a really neat one so if you guys can write into us and recommend what you would want to buy or if you have already bought and your share your experiences with us it would help me out a great deal purchasing this soldering station all right so if you're listening and you are an expert in uh, soldering electronics equipment and you can recommend to george a nice soldering station to get his drone king aspirations off the ground fired off to podcast at gen x grown up dot com. 
Go Bats! Greetings, Earthlings! Do not attempt to adjust your sets. I'm here to introduce three new monstrous friends! Now we're going to go into like one of my favorite parts of the show, which is talking about games. I all love games. I love games. Up, up, down, down, left, left, right, right. <laughs> yeah, start. <laughs> John, what do you have for us this week? I have something. Uh, it's not a game in particular, although I could talk about a couple. One of the things that I've always been alienated from is anything that was an exclusive Girls? on Sorry. the PlayStation Network. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I've had just about every console out there. I've had every Nintendo console, every Super Nintendo, the GameCube, the N64, Xbox, and all those things. But for one reason or another, I never got any PlayStations. I never, like, was in the PlayStation ecosystem. So I know there are a lot of good PlayStation titles out there that were exclusive. Sure. But... I'm not going to go buy a PlayStation to play them. I knew there were a couple of really good ones that were kind of in the life is strange story driven genre. The Last of Us, yeah, and Heavy Rain, and things play. like oh, that. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have a PlayStation. I'm not going to go buy one. Okay. But I discovered there's a network run by PSN called PlayStation Now where you can run PlayStation games on your PC through the miracle of internet game streaming. No way. So we can play Last of Us on our PC? Yes. Oh, I want the... Put some links in some show notes. I'm buying right now. Here's what I learned. I got to fill you in a little bit because it's not instantly just download it and go... There are a couple of hiccups that I have gotten over and I want to share with people like you, George, or anyone else listening who says, I've also not played all these exclusives. The cool thing, it's not like Steam. The PlayStation Now Network is more like a subscription service. You subscribe to it. The first seven days are free and then it's, I don't know, I forget. It's not a lot. I want to say it's 10 or 15 bucks a month, something like that. And you get access to every game on the network. Now, not every game for PlayStation, just every game they have put on the PlayStation Now Network, which is hundreds, granted. Okay. And you don't download Dick. You just download the front end and they're doing streaming. You say you want to spool up a game and out in the PlayStation Now cloud, they spool that game up on a server and they then stream it to you and then take your input and stream it back. Huh. There's a tiny bit of lag to it. That's what I was wondering, yeah. When I say lag, milliseconds of lag. I know they have fighting games on there, which worries me because it's like fighting games are very frame specific for blocks and counters. I haven't tried those. But for games that are more decision oriented and just kind of like casual kind of games. It doesn't make a difference. It's not a problem. Yeah. Here are the hiccups that I found. First, you can use it with any controller, but uh -oh. a lot of games require some of the motion controls, like a shake your joystick sort of stuff. And you'll get to a point where you have to do that and you're stuck. I did that. We played Heavy Rain and you got to, the guys were going to brush his teeth and you shake the controller, you're stuck. You can't get past it. Oh. I literally had to go to the store, <laughs> buy a DualShock 4 <laughs> controller. Then it connects me a Bluetooth but that's not quite good enough, so I kind of have to wire it in in order for it to be recognized. So to play these PlayStation games, it's not free. Here's what I recommend you do. Get the subscription, but before you do, before you start the trial, if you really want to play these games, you need a, a DualShock controller for PlayStation 4. You either need a hard wire for it, or you need a spring for the PlayStation for PC USB adapter. It's not just straight Bluetooth. Straight Bluetooth won't transfer all of the commands. It's kind of a ripoff. I went with a wire because it's only five bucks. The, the adapter's like 50 or 60 bucks. Oh, wow. But the reality is once you get over the hump of some hardware, you got to have that controller. You got to have it connected right. It's not a bad deal because they have a back catalog of stuff. All of the uh, Uncharted games, great adventure games. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a subscription service. Is it kind of, it feels like Gamefly for PlayStation specific. A little bit, I would say. Consider the back catalog of PlayStation library 
subscribe. It's an all-you-can-eat service. Once you're in, you can play anything as much as you want. You can play it wherever you want, pending the network connection is good. Do they have, like, the later games? You know, I haven't really dug into what current they have. Okay. What I jumped in for was because there were things like uh, Second Son that I wanted to play, the Uncharted series I wanted to play, Last of Us, uh, Heavy Rain. Those are ones that I really wanted to play that I never could. Yeah, I've always wanted to play Last of Us. It's worth checking out if you have any interest in those back catalog games. Current stuff, I I can't speak to that yet, but watch out you need that barrier of entry for a controller or you're gonna get stuck in some cases sounds good george there was something that you have been playing that is a riff off of a live stream we did a couple of weeks ago right (laughs) i am enamored with a new game (laughs) that was given to us by some people that you and i met at the southern fried game room expo in atlanta last year yeah finite reflection they are a very fun new startup company for video game production They are coming out with, we hope soon, uh, a game that we loved practicing with and playing there, demoing, I guess you would say. Twin Cup, Twin Cup, Twin Cup, Twin Cup, Twin Cup, Twin Cup. I want to play Twin Cup again. That game will probably be the biggest scream fest for us when we put it on YouTube because you and I playing that game, I, I want to say the word together, but that doesn't quite cover it. (laughs) <laughs> was one of the best experiences I had at the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. It's awesome. It's one of the most antagonistic togethers we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something. They came out with another game, and they said, Hey, Gen X Grown Up, would you guys like to get a preview of this before we release it February 9th? Hells yes. <laughs> Play it and show it on your YouTube channel. So we did a live stream of it. John, I'm going to give you props. I'm going to clap a little bit into the microphone here. (laughs) I really enjoyed that live stream. Cool, thanks. It was fun. It was informative. You played the game. You talked about the company. We even had one of the lead designers in the chat who was answering questions about the game and the company. That was nice. For us, we had a considerable amount of people stepping in and out of that stream, watching it at different points because we went for like an hour. And not for nothing, if you missed the live stream, it's archived on our YouTube page. You can go look up containment there and you can still watch it in its entirety. It's not live, but everything is there. What I love too is in the live streams, I put the chat right in the streams video. So if you're watching after the fact, you can still see the conversation that went on. You do little other nuanced things that I don't see in other live streams you did little commercials here and there and stuff like that just kind of makes it feel like a more 80s tv experience for me which was really fun i love that part yep that's just the broadcast nerd me i can't help it it's a puzzle game at its core that's what i'm gonna call it it is oh absolutely i think it would translate very well to android and ios app i would play this on the go and want to but currently it's only going to be available on steam starting february 9th the basic premise of the game is you are trying to to cure this system from viruses. You have a limited reticle that you can use to throw your dosage of medicine at the viruses and reduce their strength from a maximum, I, I think 10 is the maximum. I think so, yeah. That one of the virus little cells can get down to zero. At the end of your round, when you decide to end your turn, the viruses get their turn and different things happen. If they have such a level or below, they disappear such a level or above they gain strength. Or or if they're isolated, they'll also die. Yes, exactly. At the end of your turns, if you have eradicated all the viruses, you get to progress. But there's the added element of scorekeeping. Mm -hmm. You can eradicate all the viruses pretty quickly and easily in most of the rounds. But when you do that, you don't get as high a score. That's the nuance. So you kind of have to live that dangerous 
edge of how long do I let these viruses fester before I start curing them in order to get the highest score possible. All of your friends, if they've played the game, their scores show up in the leaderboard. So you're always constantly competing with your friends and other people around the world with this game. I think that's one of the things that I like the most about this. I know there are leaderboards in 99% of the games out there, but I never care about them because the games themselves are usually so involved and so in-depth. I don't even think about the leaderboards half the time, but this game, Mm -hmm. being as simple as it is, it makes me want to compete. I saw your score from the live stream in the first level. I have now played the first level 37 times trying to get (laughs) a higher score and still complete the level. And what I'm finding is I'm building a high score, but I'm I'm leaving like two viruses here or three viruses there, so I'm failing the level, but getting a high score. So finding that balance is unbelievably difficult and extremely fun at the same time. So the important question is, did you beat his high score? Yeah, that's the good question. I have beaten his high score every single time without completing the level. Does that count? So that's a no. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it does not count. Then no, I technically haven't beaten his high score. The the thing I think that makes those leaderboards so interesting is because the game is is so strategy-driven for the puzzle, it's not how many monsters did I shoot and how fast did I do it. It's did I outthink the other guy, right? It's more of a, that leaderboard shows how you outthought. And of course, the developers are just leagues above us because they built the game. I hope to beat them one day, maybe. But yeah, it's not just, uh, you know, I survived X amount of time. It's I thought my way through it maybe a little better than the other guy. And that is interesting. Yeah. So containment, I mean, if you want to see it in action, you can go check out the archive of our live stream on our YouTube channel, or you can check it out for yourself. And they said it's going to be less than two bucks on Steam. I'm guessing that means $1.99, and you can get it February 9th. She's also Jerrica, the president of Starlight Music. It sounds like there's some exciting stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, what, John, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I have something I'm definitely looking forward to. There's a new series coming to Netflix. It's a sci-fi series. And I've treated it just like, remember I said when I uh, discovered the shape of water, I said, that looks awesome. I'm going to ignore it now. So I'm not getting any spoilers, right? Right. But I know enough about the premise to tell you why I'm interested by it. Altered Carbon is the name of this show. Huh. It's uh, it's placed in the kind of a near future kind of sci-fi world where they can transplant your consciousness to a new body. They can harvest it, transplant. Yeah. And so if you're ill or you're sick or whatever, then uh, you can have your consciousness stored and then later restored. In this scenario, though, let's just assume that world exists. Now, keep in mind, I've not dug into this because it looks so interesting. So much of what I say could be way off base. It's based on what I saw in the trailer. <laughs> just a, a short preview. Yeah, yeah. This guy is a super detective. And for whatever reason, he's dying. His life is nearly over and his consciousness is stored. Picture for yourself if your consciousness, basically you go to sleep and you don't know what's happening until you next wake up, right? So he wakes up in this new body. And they're like, how long have I been out? And they're like, 250 years or whatever. It's been a long time. What? what? Okay. Like, I, maybe he didn't think it'd be that long, right? But turns out someone paid to have him brought back. Huh. This ah. wealthy guy, essentially, he's an indentured servant. He's been resurrected into this new body because he's a detective. He's going to solve the murder of his employer 
who was also had his consciousness stored and resurrected after someone murdered him. Oh, wow. Can you keep all that straight? (laughs) So you can be slightly against your will brought back into indentured servitude? I don't know if that's how it's supposed to be, but that's what's happening to this guy. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, it's got some uh, some kind of Blade Runner-y, kind of futuristic, kind of gritty stuff to it. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's got that mind-swapping, body-swapping kind of thing. And the fact that you're trying to solve the murder of a guy who hired you, who is alive again. You know, he's. I guess he's just pissed off he got murdered once. So he brought in this super detective, resurrected him to solve his murder. And once he's done, then I guess he can go about his business. So, anyway, coming out on Netflix before our next podcast so you can check the release schedule on netflix i am gonna check it out sounds interesting yeah that sounds like fun i'll have to add that to the bandwidth george how about you what you looking forward to one of the things that is near and dear to my heart is comic sans Mm. it's a youtube series that we've been running on gen x grown up it's a fun series where we talk about how to reintroduce people or introduce for the first time an individual back into the world of comic books because that world is everywhere now in movies and tv and we get to talk about series that we enjoy. We try and give you ideas on how you can get involved in comic books again, like cheaper ways to get back into them, because comic books nowadays are super expensive compared to what they were when we were all growing up. That helps be informed. When we were growing up, 50 to 75 cents for a book, now they're $5 for some books. It's nuts. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, the quality is very, very good now. The storylines are beautiful. And there's also this huge market of independent comic publishers out there that we want to try and talk about and highlight. And currently, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, there is a new series that DC has come out with called The Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock is doing something that a lot of comic book fans wanted to have happen, but didn't think would ever have happen. They are bringing the Watchmen into the DC universe of comic books. So the Watchmen are now alongside Superman, Batman, all of the main DC characters. I don't know how I feel about that, because I always kind of like the Watchmen being their own thing. (laughs) Well, and so the purists, some of them, yeah, I don't want that, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to tell you, I read the first issue. They are doing this series right. The new Supermans, the new Batmans, the new Teen Titans, all of this is because of Dr. Manhattan. He is the reason why all these series have gotten their rebirth, reboot. And you're going to cover Doomsday Clock in uh, the return of Comic Sans, yeah? We are. So our February issue, we're going to cover Doomsday Clock, a couple of other comics, and some things that can help you get back into comic book collecting. Because of the timing, we're going to cover... Uh, series on Black Panther. Now, I know that, Mo, Mm -hmm. you're really looking forward to that movie. Oh, big time. Big fan of the comic books when I was growing up because it was one was one of the few black superheroes that were out there. Definitely one of the few black African superheroes that were out there. Right. It was just a cool, I just love the story because the idea that there's this kingdom in Africa that is like super high tech and not a shithole country. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right. Fake Um, news. Fake news. Like I said, I mean, it's Black Panther, so they're definitely spinning off the uh, last Captain America movie that came out, Civil War. And from what I've seen, it looks like they're going to do a damn good job on it. Again, I'm trying not to watch too much about it other than the basics I already kind of know. I think as far as these superhero movies go, you know, I definitely have room for one more. Yeah. I mean, they're bringing in an all-star cast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that comes out February 16th. Tons to look forward to in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Love comic books? Then check out Parlapod, the podcast for die-hard fans. 
We've got interviews. Hi, this is Kelly Jones. Hi, everybody. This is John Semper. This is Ming Chen. Hey, this is Tim Seeley. Hey, folks. This is Brian O'Halloran. Hey, what up? This is Jason Mewes, and you're listening to Parlapod.com comic book podcast. Snooch to the news. Reviews. These covers are, are blowing me away. Ugh. So Concept is just too darn good. I wish they had done a better job with it. And all the comic book news you need to know about. Mark Strong is in talks to play the villain, Dr. Savant. All in, man. He was a great Sinestro, too. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and it's always free to download. Follow us on social media at Parlapod. Fresh episodes every Wednesday morning, just in time for your trip to the local comic book store. Parlapod, we are your source for everything comic book related. Give us a listen today. Show notes, show notes, show notes. Give me your show notes. We talked about a ton of stuff in this episode of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. As usual. And I know that we're going to have plenty of links down in the show notes for you guys to go and explore all those wonderful topics. Absolutely. Hey, and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, whether you use iTunes or not, we would appreciate it if you would hop over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a quick rating that helps other people to find us. And if you have a friend who doesn't listen to the Gen X Grown Up podcast, grab their phone and subscribe them. They will thank you later. (laughs) And we actually have some specific tasks for our fourth listener this time. Some requests. We want some requests to be filled. We want to hear your comments on some of the things we talked about. Get on your keyboard open up that email app and send us an email at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Hey, and besides this podcast, we have a ton of content on YouTube and on our website. So be sure to check us out on genxgrownup.com. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode of the podcast. And in one week with another backtrack. Backtrack next week is going to be involvement with your local radio stations back in the 80s as a Gen Xer. Before the internet, before Pandora, you were more involved in your local radio station. We're going to talk about that on the back. So until then, thanks so much for joining the call. George, good to talk to you. Yes, sir. And Mo, always a thrill. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. And listener, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble! And we will be back in two weeks with another episode of the podcast. And in one week, with another backtrack. The backtrack next week is going to be... Da-da-da. I had to look because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Easter egg. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, 
and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.